Hello, this is Scotty McCoy, and I am the author of the Ultimate Friday the 13th Trivia Book, and I'm doing another book titled The Ultimate Slasher Movie Encyclopedia, and I am interviewing the cast and crew of the Friday the 13th franchise, and I currently have on the phone with me Shavar Ross, and he played Reggie the Reckless in Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. Hi, Shavar. How you doing? Hey, buddy. Hi, Scotty. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem. It's been so long. We, After uh, multiple attempts to connect, we finally were able to connect. <laughs> yes. Now, Scotty, let me ask you something really quickly. Sure. Is it called the, the new book? Is it the Ultimate Friday the 13th Trivia Book or it, Slasher? The Ultimate Slasher Movie Encyclopedia is what the interview is for. Okay. Yeah. The Ultimate Friday the 13th Trivia Book is my first book. I actually got published back in 2016. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. And awesome, it's, buddy. It's gotten pretty good reviews on that, too. It's really a really good book. I actually have an interview. I can show you that later after the interview. Then I can show you an interview I did for a web series. Wonderful. Yep. So the first question I got for you is, uh, what was your audition like for Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning? I remember it as if it was yesterday, as if it were yesterday. Uh, the uh, audition, I auditioned several times, uh, maybe once or twice with the cat. Well, once with the casting director, and then the second time with the director, and I think a third time with Miguel Nunez, who played my brother Demon. Uh, this was right across the street, not too far from um, CBS. Uh, which was on Beverly Boulevard. This is where they do all the soap operas or what have you. But uh, yeah, it was kind of grueling. Maybe four or five, you know, auditions to actually get the part. Um, and I think they kind of knew my background from different strokes and and you know uh, guest starring on there. But um, it was wonderful uh, to to audition uh, for the director at the time, Danny Steinman. But uh, yeah, it, it it took a while though. It wasn't as easy as. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what was your most memorable moment filming Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning? Uh, as far as on set or off set, that's a good question. If on the set, I loved working with Melanie Kinnaman because <laughs> at the time, and I only tell a few people this, Scotty. So good. <laughs> but I had a big crush on Melanie Kinnaman. At the time, you know, she was a counselor, and we were all running in the woods, all wet. <laughs> oh, I know where this so, is going. <laughs> you know, she was, I just had, a, I don't know what it was, I was 14 at the time, and um, she, I just had a big crush on her, and she was like, oh, my savior in the movie, and it was just so, so much fun working with her, uh, Miguel Nunez as well. Um, but it was, it was really fun. Uh, we did have some experiences in the hotel. Um, you know, when, um, I remember one day we, we actually filmed the, the film, the movie, parts of the film in, um, Camarillo, California. This was out there. Um, I believe it was the Ronald Reagan mental health, um, house. I'm not sure what it was back then, but I know it was named after Ronald Reagan, but they had a big mental facility out there and it wasn't helping because the film, as you know, part five was surrounded around mental people so <laughs> we were right there in Camarillo but um no it was it was really fun but uh, I just remember it being in a, in a hotel and one of the insects got in my ear and it was just Ooh. oh my goodness that was just so 
a whole nother thing. It's like you have to be on the set the next day, but at the same time, you have a, like a roach with wings fluttering, mm-hmm. a pregnant roach at that fluttering inside your ear, and you're trying to like bathtub get it, at, you know, trying to get it out, pouring the water. It came out. I was better the next day, but um, right. that that was one of my offset experiences. But I totally enjoyed working with everyone on the show. It was, such, it was just a great experience. It was just so super fun. I like to tell people I thought it was just, I thought it was a comedy at the time because um, for the first, I think, three or four days on the set, I didn't even know what the movie was called. I didn't even know it was a Friday the 13th film. Right. You know, I thought it was called Repetition, like the movie Repetition. Oh, maybe, you know. Right. Something that goes on and on over and over again, a horror film, repetition, you know, and it wasn't until like the second day I got on the set, it was like, oh no, you're in the Friday the 13th movie. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I was so excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what was the best part while filming Friday the 13th part five and what was the worst? The best part about filming Friday the 13th part five was running Jason over with the tractor. (laughs) I love doing that. The best part, that was the best part. The worst part was realizing that it wasn't the real Jason. It was like Roy. Yeah, I do agree with that. <laughs> so you had all these fans who were like, fans were like bummed out. Like, oh, that wasn't the real Jason. This is the worst film ever. Then you had those cult, like, Friday the 13th Part 5, like, fans that are always going to, like, be down with us. And, like, you know, right. it doesn't matter. It, doesn't, it was like Part 5. It was like they had more kills than any other... I was a 13, you know, whatever. So it was kind of interesting. It's it's got some good feedback and some not so good feedback, but it was fun doing. I agree, and I'm actually gonna throw a bonus question in there since you mentioned that. Uh, I don't think I have that as a question actually, but um, I don't think this is a question that I have writ- listed. But uh, do you uh, did you know that Roy was the pseudo Jason, so to speak, or did you uh, find out when everybody else found out, or when you were at the end of filming? Well, at first, you know, the script was called Repetition. So, I, you know, the first day or so, I didn't know until after I got on the set, after I re- I got the part, that it was actually a Friday the 13th film. So they were keeping everything under wraps until, like, the day on the set. You know, and even throughout the set, it was, like, this big secret with everybody. Like, we never said Friday the 13th during the whole filming. Right. <laughs> no one ever said that. That was, like, a bad word or something, you know. But, um, so it was, like, repetition. We're filming repetition. It's, like, you know, I don't know, Paramount and Frank Mancuso Jr., who was one of the executive producers on the, on the, on the movie, I believe his father was, like, over Paramount or something at the time. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but it was, like, a big thing then, because this was the, the film right after the final chapter with Corey Feldman, whatever, yeah. you know, Feldman, where everybody thought that was it. So maybe that's why it was a big secret because this was the, a new beginning. Right. <laughs> you, when, you, when you thought it was done, it's like, no, we're going to keep this going here. Mm-hmm. We're going to go all the way to, yeah. to the next, what was it, Freddy versus Jason or something like that? Um, I think the I reboot is the 2009 one, but after, the one before that is Freddy versus Jason, yeah. Yeah, and then they actually did a whole new, like this Friday the 13th. Yep. And they're actually filming another Friday the 13th, the 13th one. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I heard and that. they have the game, and it, there's a video game, I think, on PlayStation. Everybody, everyone yeah. is contacting me and saying, please talk to them about Reggie the Rick's character, you know. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. It's amazing. You know what it is? It's so great to have, 
you know, a cult following after so many years because, yeah. I mean, Melanie and I, I'm sure John Shepard who started it, you know, we still receive residuals. Yeah. And, you know, they, from, you know, from, from the Screen Actors Guild, from the film, and, you know, once in a while I'll be flipping through and I'll see it on, uh, like, sci fi, yeah. sci fi network. And then, you know, like two months later, it's like back on the sci fi network. I'm like, again? Yeah. It's <laughs> funny because, again? it's funny because usually it's, it's always on during Halloween time, but then, the, like, a couple months later, it's on around Christmas time, and I'm watching it, and I'm, my one friend's asking me, what are you doing? I said, watching, I'm watching Friday the 13th Part 5. He goes, it's Christmas, not Halloween. <laughs> right. And, like, as I'm talking to you now, this is, like, February, like, 9th. Right. 2018, and it was like, people are telling me, I just saw you yesterday, like, on the 8th. That's, like, Gary Coleman's birthday. <laughs> you know, I'm like, didn't I just show that, like, like back in, like, Friday the last Friday the 13th, whatever that was. So, it's, but it, it must mean that it's, it still does so well. The whole series, you know, yep. I think the film made $21 million at the box office, and that was great. Definitely. Um, so, how did, this is not related to Friday the 13th, but how did you get your start into acting? Um, my dad was an actor, you know, he was, he was a, a well-trained actor and he went to school for acting. That was his heart, you know, and my parents were separated when I was seven years old. And, um, so I was, I was born in New York city, the South Bronx, and I grew up there the first seven years of my life. And then my parents separated. And then my mom took my, uh, myself and my sister to Georgia you know, just to be able to have some sort of security and um, financial aid for my family there. Right. Um, but my parents were separated, and, you know, at seven years old, after, like, you know, oh, a year, you're like, Mom, who, who, my, who my dad? Like, I want to know who my father is. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so my mom was like, your dad's a, you know, they were separated and all that, so I don't know whatever, that would happen, but, you know, she, he's an actor in California. And I was like, I want to meet my dad, you know. And so I wrote a uh, my second my in the second grade. I was seven years old. I wrote a um, essay like trying to tell my mom and my teachers how the wind blew me to California because I wanted to meet my dad. And so next thing you know, I my mom for my Christmas vacation, she's like, okay, she's I flew out to California to meet my dad. He was with the William Morris Agency. Hmm. He was doing shows back in the days like episodics, like on Nash and. Ukraine and all these like great episodics at the time and um so I was like my dad you know took me in for that week right. you know took me around Beverly Hills he showed me all of the studios he took me to a play with Lauren Tilton Jacobs who played Washington Washington on Welcome Back Carter which was his actor friend at the time he took me to a play mm -hmm. starring Kim Fields and Kim Fields, of course, I had a crush on. She was around my age at the time. She was like seven or eight. I was like, oh my God, Kim Fields. But anyway, after we got out of the play from Kim Fields, the Kim Fields play with my dad and Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, um, an agent came up to my dad and was like, you got to get this kid in, in what, pictures. He needs to do commercials. Here's my card. And like two days later, you know, I was going out on auditions. She was one of the best top children's agent at the time. Her name was Evelyn Schultz of Worms of Health Fund and Joseph. She discovered me. Next thing you know, I was like doing commercials and episodic shows. I was doing Alice and Benson and eventually ended up on different strokes. So it was, I never took an acting class. 
Awesome. That's great. And sometimes it is who, who you know in, in you know the industries. And they don't do that anymore. Back in the days, they would like be walking. Agents would be like walking the streets. Right. <laughs> like, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, it would be more right. like, you know, you got the hookup if you ran across an agent. Nowadays, yeah. it's, it's totally different now. But, yeah. You know, that was back in those days where you can just get discovered like that. Yes. So what was it like working with Tom Morga, who actually played Jason Voorhees behind the mask? <laughs> we didn't have any personal relationship. He was like an adult. <laughs> right. Um, so I didn't have too much um, relationship with him during the filming. It wasn't until after when we started doing conventions. And I was like, oh my God, you were here, huh? Give me a hug, Tom. <laughs> but before that, it was like, you know, we it was just like work. Right. And I just remember as a young person, just like seeing him, okay, everybody was getting him ready. He had this big old like jumpsuit on. <laughs> He's like, right. Then he put the mask on and all of a sudden he was walking funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> so other than that, we didn't have any like, uh, hey, Tom, call me later on. Let's go out and have a drink. You know, it wasn't anything right. like that. I was like 14. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. Although, um, like the... I was actually wanted to throw this in there because I remember when I interviewed Debbie Sue Voorhees, she um she was uh talking about this a little bit. And I might have it a little mixed up because I interviewed her roughly a year and a half ago, two years ago, but uh but I still talked to her. Um, but I but she said that I remember um she said that uh when she had to do her scene that there were a lot of uh like they had a, like it was a close set. I guess it was when they were doing her death scene, like the sex slash death scene. And she said yeah. that uh, everybody was like disappointed. They were all trying. They all wanted to sneak in and all that. Is there any? <laughs> is there any truth to that? Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that because that was the actual the, the day that I um, came on the set for the first time to just. They wanted me to just say hello to the director. I think I might have been shooting that night. Okay. And it was like this private set. Nobody, and it was like, oh no, only a few people can be there for this scene where she's like laying on uh, on in the woods or something. Right. <laughs> and um, so then I don't know how my set teacher and the, the ADs brought me on, but they were like, Shavar's here. He's on his first day. He won't be working until tonight, but he wants to, you know, say hello to the director. <laughs> and then I came up there and they were like, oh no, no, he can't come here right now. And so Danny's time and had to like cut, cut, cut. Like no, no, let me come out and like we, they had to like move me away, get me out of the woods area. <laughs> <laughs> Bummer, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, dang. And, was, and they literally had you know like the police tape and stuff like that right. yellow stuff that tape. <laughs> yeah, I remember she was telling me <laughs> that because like everywhere. Yeah. yeah, I remember she was telling and, me that because it was all closed set because it was like one of those intimate scenes. They didn't want like they didn't want anybody to be there because it was I guess one of those nude scenes. So it was one of those scenes that they couldn't have. Certain so many people on there. I guess it might have been a contractual thing or something. I don't know exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until after the film where Corey Selbin and I and a whole bunch of other people were at the premiere in Westwood, California when I was like, oh, I see why. <laughs> <laughs> Not allowed. <laughs> and, and then, uh, you know, but there were Sue Voorhees was a teacher at the time. Oh. Well, not at the time, but later on she became a teacher and they found out at that time that she did the film and I think she had some issues with her students. Oh, wow. YouTubing her. 
Wow. <laughs> I think she might have told me that, though, because she's very open about it now. She talks about it opening. Open, yeah, she's a open. filmmaker. Yes. Yep. She's, she's she a horror Yep, she's great. And she's a very nice lady. I, I love talking to her. I still have a great relationship with her to this day. I talk to private messenger a lot, and she loves talking to me. Like, she, she always hits me up. And her and Nancy McLaughlin from Part 6. Yeah. That's awesome. I believe she's in Arizona right now. Who is uh, Debbie? Yeah, yep, she's in Arizona. Yep. Um, and we did a we did a, re, a reunion, I think, in Dallas, maybe years ago or something. Yeah. So the next question I have is, and I think I might know your answer to this, but I'm still gonna ask it. But what was it like working with the amazingly gorgeous Melanie Kinnaman? Oh, she was just amazing. Um, <laughs> I had a crush on her, and like I said in the video, what the, um, the actually the audio commentary with um, John Shepard and I and they, Danny Steinman, they, they did a remake on the DVD, Paramount did a remake. Mm -hmm. So what they brought us in to do like an audio commentary, that was like, mm -hmm. the, that was like the first time I ever did anything like that, where you kind of like talk throughout the while you're watching the film and then yeah. like recording you, like, oh, I remember that scene, that's yeah. when Melody did this, and you know, you're talking like that. But, um... There was a scene at the end that I, I totally had a question on her. But when we, um, when she, when the tractor, when we ran the fake Jason over with the, with the tractor, she comes and gives me like this hug. Right. I always talk about this, like this hug after like he falls out. And she's like, oh my gosh, Reggie, thank you so much. And then she like gives me this hug. Okay, but it doesn't stop there. She gives me like another hug at that same time. It's like a really good extra hug. And then it was like one more extra good hug. And I just totally loved that when I was a kid. <laughs> That's great. So if you go back and see the if you go back and see the film, you'll see she's like, Oh my gosh, Reggie, oh get yeah. hug, baby And then she's like, <laughs> right. I think it's like a third one. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just I'm so loving this right now. So I gotta throw this <laughs> I gotta throw this out there. Um when you were visiting uh you know, Miguel A. Nunez, aka Demon in the trailer park, you said you had a girlfriend, Pam, and you winked. Was that improv or was that actually scripted? When I said she's my girlfriend, that went. When you were visiting a demon at the trailer park after yeah. a demon introduces his girlfriend Anita, and you said, "Hey, yeah, yeah. come here, baby, come here." Yeah, she's my girlfriend. So the part you wanted to know about the improv was which part? I asked. I was asking, was that improv or was that actually scripted? No, I just said it like it was. I just, you know, you improv it, it like it was. Uh, no, I said it like it was. I said it like it was natural. I said it so. I don't want to, I'm not trying to brag, but I'm trying to say that I said it in a way to where I wanted it to sound like it was spontaneous, but it was in the script. Oh, it was in the script. Okay, that's what I was yeah, trying so to... Yeah, when I say, hey, baby, hey, baby, come here, baby. Come here, baby, come here, baby. Come here, come here. You know, it sounded like it was natural. Right. You know, but that, now, 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 don't get me wrong on the script. I don't remember this because I'm getting elderly. <laughs> now, on the script, now, on this, in the script, it might, Scotty, it might have said, Hey Pam, come here, baby. Right. <laughs> you know, it might have sounded like that if you were just reading it. Right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So then, what I did was I got to say, Hey Pam, come, hey, come, come here, baby, come, come here. Like, 
like you know, right. it, it made it sound like it was. I made it sound like it was natural, so it wasn't improv at all. It was actually in the script. That's awesome. She and you both <laughs> had amazing on-screen chemistry. Like I, that, I'm not gonna lie, that is one of my favorite films in the franchise. And I mean, a lot of people give it hate because there was no real Jason. And I don't care that there's no real Jason. I saw a guy with a hockey mask that wasn't revealed. That was revealed not to be Jason at the very end. I mean, come on, like he still had a hockey yeah. mask. You know I mean, I just I love the film. I love Pam. I love Reggie. You know, I love John Shepard. Yeah. Thank you, man. No problem. And they said that we had more kills than a lot of the... Um, it actually had the most body count. I'm, I might be wrong, but it had either 22... No, actually, it might be more than that. Actually, I have my... Oh, actually, no, it's on the other computer, on my other laptop. Um, But uh, I think there was, like... It was either 23 or it was the 27 kills. I think there was in the early 20s. Let me get it up quick on my other laptop. I have it up, actually, I have it right here. A uh, body count. Um, Under Predator 13, body count. Let's check. Because um, that right here is part... Oops. Uh... Part one, two, three, four, five. There is twenty-one. I was close. Oh my goodness! Twenty-one kills, and I interviewed about maybe <laughs> maybe half of that body count. <laughs> oh, did you? That's crazy. Yeah, I interv have you interviewed Ron Sloan. Yes, I have. I interviewed Ron Sloan, and he set me up with Kara Locatel, um, who was supposed to call me, but she never <laughs> did. Reunion and I loved them. We all went out to Dallas many yeah. years ago, maybe ten years ago, and then had our own little reunion. <laughs> and we were at dinner. I was so excited. I was, I was tweeting everything. I was Facebooking everything. Yeah. And while we were at dinner, they were like Shabar, put that thing down so we can eat together. This is our reunion. You cannot tweet while we're doing this, like we're eating together. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so rude. <laughs> I was so excited. Yep, I interviewed Ron. I interviewed Ron Sloan. I'm now interviewing you. I interviewed uh, the guy that played Pete. Uh, what was his name? A uh, Corey something or other. Um, I forget his name. Corey Parker. I interviewed him. I interviewed um, Violet, uh, Tiffany Helm. I interviewed uh, Debbie Sue Voorhees. Um, I have an interview awesome. set. Uh, we did, we were setting. Uh, we're in the talking about interviewing uh, the guy that played Eddie. I keep forget I keep forgetting his name. I get the first two mixed up. It's either John Robert Dixon or Robert John Dixon. I can't remember. I always get them mixed up for some reason. But I mean, I have something set up. Uh, we're currently in negotiations. To interview him. Um, it might be all I interviewed. Maybe I'm my head. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, I interviewed uh, those so far, and I'm pretty sure there's some others. And a lot of them, Greg Gilbert set me up with too. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the cast I interviewed, and they they were really uh really really helpful with like the questions and everything. They're really nice. And uh, Ron uh, set me up with Carol Locatel as well. Yes, that's wonderful. Yeah. You know, I saw her in the old, uh, um, what is it, um, with the uh, Kojak episode. Yeah. <laughs> I was up one night on MeTV many years ago, maybe three years ago, and I, I saw, a Ko I was watching Kojak, and it was like Carol Locatel, like looking sexy. and yeah. I was like, oh my goodness, what is going on? This is Carol? The lady that was like, She is. She's really great, and she really knows how to how how to like play all these different roles. Like her character, her and Junior. Oh my God, they had me die. They had me dying. I'm watching them, and I'm laughing. And I'm rewinding back. I'm going back to what the their scenes, and I'm going back and back, watching them over and over again, just because they're amazing. And they actually were doing um Ron Sloan. Uh, po uh, my one friend actually on Facebook uh, met Ron Sloan and Carol at one of the recent Comic Cons back in November, and he asked them if they can ad lib the um. The uh, the one scene that they did, I can't remember what the scene is off the top of my head, and he po he posted the video of them ad libbing the exact scene, like right there in front of him, and he v recorded it. 
And I was like, great. Like, I was watching. I'm like, this is great. I, I think it, I can't remember what scene it was. Um, It was one of the F-bombs, of course. But when it wasn't she saying the F-bomb in the movie. But <laughs> it was... uh. It was, it, that was really interesting, like how they, they, how people, I never went to a convention, believe it or not, and I really want to get to one. Really? Yes, believe it or not, I never have. I want to go so bad. But uh, I never gone to one, and I, I, I didn't know how they worked. I didn't know if, like, you pay all this money to meet the stars, and if you, if it's like, you get to talk to them for literally, like, a couple seconds and get a picture. Like, I, I want to actually, you know, interact with me, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Yeah, so, uh, how was that? Who? Ron's son's wife, Lisa. Oh, is it her birthday? Yeah, as we're we're talking, I'm like looking up people. (laughs) (laughs) So how was Danny Steinman as a director? I love Danny. He was, um, you know, one of the best experiences I had with Danny was like after everything. Like when I was younger, he was like, oh, the director. You know, but then many years later, as we did a few conventions together, You know, I really got to sit down and talk with him and know him. And, you know, he was an right. older man to me. Before, he was, like, kind of cool and hip. And, right. You know, and then so when, when I reunited with him, he was an older man. And we sat down, and, he, and I would ask him, like, hey, man, so Mr. Steinman, like, what did you, like, give me the part? Like, what was so special? And how did right. it work out with Miguel? And he's like, I thought you had this charm about you, you know. And he would talk to me like that. And. And uh, we had dinner together. This was in right. Dallas at, I, th- I forgot, the uh, Monster Mania or one of those. I forgot the name of the convention. But right. We got, to, you know, and then while we were sitting and eating, mm-hmm. all these people, I guess because they were there for this horror convention, right. they would come up to us and be like, Mr. Steinman, can we have your autograph? Shabar, can we have your, and it was like, I just felt special, you know, and it was like, you know, I just, I don't know. I just, to me, it's still surreal to me for right. something like this movie, you know. Yep. Hollywood produces hundreds and hundreds of movies a year, you know, so, but for people to still, you know, um, you know, love the film, and, you know, I've had 13-year-old kids come up to me and like, can you have your autographs? I'm like, where's, first of all, little young lady, you weren't born during this film. Did you see the whole film? Because there was nudity in that thing, and they don't even, they were like, um, hello, yeah, I'm still a fan. (laughs) (laughs) I was born in 89 so I uh oh my goodness I was you even... were born in 89 yep 89 if you were born in 89 that's when I was traveling driving across <laughs> country and, and like my Nissan Sentra that I had take that or going to see the two live crew in Miami like, you oh know. my god, that's funny. Yeah, I'm still a kid, yeah, believe it or not. I was in Florida. I was in Florida at the Club of Strawberries. Oh How god. old did you think I was? <laughs> I think you were like 50, my age. Really? I don't know. No, I'm kidding. I didn't know. I didn't know, Scotty. I'm sorry, my bad. Girl. No, it's funny. It's fine. <laughs> no, yeah, I was born in 89. I wasn't even born when the film came out, but I remember the first film oh I saw. Oh my god, Scotty. Wait a minute, hold on. You said that a little bit too, Scotty. You weren't born when the film were out. Yeah. Right? Is that what you're saying? Yep. So that means that the film came out in, I believe it was 85. Yep. You were born in... 89. 89. So that means, Scotty, you were how old? I wasn't even born. Wasn't even born. That's true. Oh, you weren't... Okay, I'm thinking you were born... (laughs) No, I I, I had... I'm I'm getting a slight dyslexia here. No, I'm thinking... Okay... You weren't born 
I know, right? I was gonna say you were like three years old. Normally, when I talk to people, I'm like, "Oh, you were just three when the film came out." Came out. No, Scotty, you weren't born when the film came yep. out. If I, it was '85. Wow, and you weren't born until '89. Yeah, the first film I saw um, was when I was roughly six or seven, and it was Part Seven. And then after I saw Part Seven, I fell in love with just Jason killing people at that point because I I just I mean as bad as that sounds I mean I didn't really I was six or seven I didn't I didn't see anything other than that I didn't really know the plot or a storyline of a film I just figured I just saw the action of it so I saw that and I fell in love with it immediately I'm like I'm going back to Part One and then I went to Part One then I saw Part Two and then Three and then Four and then Five and then Six and then I watched Seven again and then Eight and then all the way up to Nine because at that time only uh, Jason Goes to Hell was out because that was released in '93 and that was only what like four three or four years old at the time and that came out so I, that was out and then jason x didn't come out until i believe it was 2002 so when that came out i, I was a lot older and I, then i saw that and then i saw freddy versus jason 2003 and then of course the reboot was the one after that in 2009 yep okay well they they i have all the films that they gave me and i've only seen maybe 40 minutes of part one really of course i've seen i've seen my whole film <laughs> Maybe 20 minutes apart, three. That's because Larry, Larry Zern is like a lawyer. He's like a good buddy of mine. And I'm like, okay, let me look at it. He declined an Other interview that, with me, unfortunately. He de- what? He declined the interview with me. Really? Yep. Uh, he said that the stories are told too many times or something like that. I can understand that. Yeah. Which I, I respect I that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hassle him. I respect his decision. I'm not gonna hold. I don't hold no grudges or anything. He wasn't. It wasn't like he was rude or anything about it. He was polite about it. So I, I'm like, I understand. I completely understand. I I respect your wishes. Thank you for that. Thank you for getting back to me at least. You could have easily read it and ignored it. He's a lawyer too, and I think he has his own practice. Yep. Yeah. I I I kind of understand why he probably would say that because. I do have some people asking me for stuff and, you know, interviews and, and you know, I, I think it's after a while it's kind of like, okay, you do the same thing. You, yeah. you have to. Cough, I was one of them. Like, <laughs> okay. Now, there's a guy named Peter Brack. Yep. I don't know if you read his book. He had a big, thick book. <laughs> yep. And he had everybody. We were out somewhere in Universal Studios signing all kind of nice. stuff of his book. But yep. that sucker was. I remember when I first, uh, when I actually I asked you for an interview at first, and you actually declined me. I did. Yeah, I think you were busy though at the time. I think you were busy. It was it was within the past year and a half or so, but you said you were really there was something happening that you were really busy that you that you didn't have time or something. I think like there was a convention coming up or something. But it wasn't recently, like what's been going on lately. No, it wasn't. It was at least. It was definitely. Uh, it was around the time I, I uh, heard back from Melanie, so it was definitely around June of 2017. Wow. So there might have been. No, a, it could have been when we did a convention. We may have did like a um, what do you call it, a chiller or something? Maybe. Yeah, I think there, I know there was a convention coming up because I know it was a part five reunion show. I know they were saying because it was like I think it was was it the it was it wasn't like a an anniversary reunion. I think it was just an average a random reunion that was going on. I was. I'm glad you were persistent. So that's good. I was. I actually. Uh. I actually. Um. You never give up. I never give up. Because you know some of these some of these celebrities are like so busy and stuff like yep. that. You catch you catch them on their downtime. Yep. Don't give oh, up. Oh, you're not them. the first person either that I had like the runaround where I had to keep like setting updates. Neither like I don't know if you know Arlen Escarpeta. He uh, started in Friday the Thirteenth, two thousand and nine, as Lawrence. Um, and he also was played Bobby Brown. Was he the black in guy in that? Yes. I know this. 
Yep. Okay, I, knew, I did do something with him, yes. yes. I remember him. And he's a really nice guy, and uh, we had, we set up a couple interviews, and uh, I called him, and uh, he missed my call, and I and and then uh, I set up something else, and we had to cancel because of the hurricane, because he was filming in Puerto Rico, and the hurricane was going oh, on, goodness. so he had to cancel because of that, because um, they were, he was trying to scramble with his girlfriend to get off of the set filming to go back to the States, so, like, there's so much oh, stuff going on that, that we had a we had a like, we had a maybe about three or four different times does until we actually set something up, but I got a hold of him. I never gave up. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. So, the, well, that's good. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out, there was a contact gentleman that I used to know. Um, I still know him. I just don't, I don't work with him anymore for conventions, but um, I'm trying to remember his name before I get, and, you, and if you can contact him, because what he does is he kind of manages. I, I think uh, you you remember? Do you remember Silver Spoons? Sounds familiar. Is it a sitcom? Okay. Well, well it was with Ricky Schroeder. Okay. Okay. Now Erin Gray, she's kind of like a talent manager now. Okay. She does it for like for like people with that are in films and stuff okay. like that. I, I don't know if she handles too many of the the horror side of things but but Aaron Gray um, wasn't a Friday the 13th so I would love to interview her exactly so yes. we did something many yeah exactly so but she became this like um kind of like an agent where she takes on some of the clients from the okay. horror films and she books them for like um all these conventions and comic cons and stuff like right. that yeah awesome and I know uh, I um do you have, do you ever do anything with I think they're I can't remember their full name let me get it up quick on my email let me a sec because you're gonna you might you might um you'll be like what are you serious because I actually told this the the Roger Barnes he played in he played the Irish cop in uh in Jason Takes Manhattan um I know it's under Universal um Universal Talent Bookings you know them what's it called again Universal what Talent Bookings. Because I actually, they actually represent a lot of the Friday the 13th uh, clients that I wanted to interview. And I emailed them, like, a bunch of different emails because I got it off of IMDb, a lot of the contacts. And this is their response to me when I asked them about interviews. They said, if you can afford to pay $100 for each interview for our Friday the 13th clients, we could agree to all your interview requests. Otherwise, it's way too much work to contact everyone you have expressed interest in interviewing when we currently are in con contract for several paid offers. All and also, we would like Universal Talent Bookings to be mentioned in the book as a special thanks for helping to arrange the interview with our social media links included. It. Yeah, I understand what you're talking about. That sounds. Oh, I know. I interviewed him actually too. Yep. Dominic Brascia. I'm looking on the website right now. I just need to find out who's behind it because once I can see who's behind it, then I'll know who that person is. And if it's the person I think it is, um. There's some people are kind of shady, like you gotta be careful of, right. you know, when you're, um, yeah, I'm looking mm. on there now, Universal Talent Bookings, uh, it's not showing me, at least I'm not seeing it right now, um, who's behind it, but, um, yeah, I see they do handle some celebrities, uh, well, it's people from the film, Paul Cracker and um, Part 3, 
Yeah, but there, there were a couple of them that I interviewed. I know I heard back from Dominic Brasky, and we said something up, but he never answered and never got back to me neither. Uh, and claiming to handle Jure Field from Part 5, who was Demon's, uh, Miguel Nunez's girlfriend. Okay. Yep, I think I contacted them on behalf of her as well. Diana Barrows from Part 7. Uh, I already there. have contact with her. I said I have a, an interview scheduled with her. Oh, did you yeah, actually, I talked. She actually uh, called me randomly the one day, um, just to talk about medical related stuff. Uh, Judith Roberts, Mother Superior, the cult classic horror film, Silent Night, Deadly. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, That's a Christmas horror movie. That's uh, where Santa Claus <laughs> is the killer. <laughs> uh, uh, John Bishop. I guess. Uh, yeah. So I'm not too. You know, if it's a, if it's the person I'm, I'm thinking it is, um, they have like several like kind of sites like this. Right. Where, you know, um, so you just have to be careful. But if you can get the booking, um, you know, if I can help in any way, I know awesome. with Mel oh, to handle um, Fred Williamson. Okay, so I think this is the people that I think it is. Right. <laughs> and it's one guy that I, now I don't know if you ever heard of Mike Arnoldi. No. But he's okay. So. This looks like it could be one of his sites, and he kind of has like several sites. And um, he's a little shady. He's a nice guy, but you know you have to be careful. Yeah, and I wasn't paying. I mean, I'm getting all these interviews for free, and I'm gonna be. And I'm also at the end gonna give a special thanks to every single person I interviewed. So it's not like yeah. uh, you know, it's not like I'm going to pay a hundred dollars when I'm getting them for free, and I can find elsewhere how to contact them. You know, through other links and whatnot too. Well, you shouldn't have to pay them. Exactly. They're, they're saying like, oh, you should pay. It's not like you're like wanting autographs and exactly. trying to book them for a convention. So if they're saying like you have to pay them. They said a hundred dollars a con a uh, hundred dollars no, per yeah. per. I mean, uh, unless you're really trying to get this exclusive for the book and you have the money, that's fine. But other than that, you mm -hmm. know, come on, right? You, know, you shouldn't have to come out of pocket. You're a journalist. You're you know you're right. You know, a, a exactly. Author. So you shouldn't have to do that, um, you know. But that's part of your job as well to be able to slip in there and yep, um, and and try to get the the interview. I was gonna say audition, but the interview. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, this and then you know. Yep. Um, so this next question I have is one of my favorites. Um, I have to ask you. You're probably gonna laugh, laugh, laugh. But uh, we all love Reggie the Reckless's high-pitched scream <laughs> when encountering Jason at the ambulance in the woods. Now, did you practice that, or was that your natural instinct when filming the scene? No, that was just natural instinct, and it came out like that, unfortunately. Um, I ended up losing my voice on the set. They had to like, stop production because I just totally lost it with my voice. Wow. We, what happened was we rehearsed it so, time, so many times, you know. Right. Um, I think there was one scream when I think Jason was like by the, or the fake Jason. I, I always have to say the fake Jason because people get, will get mad. Like by the ambulance thing and then we opened up something and someone's head fell down or something and I was like ah so that was that one scream and then it was a scream where Pam like grabs me upstairs and I was like ah so by the time we got to the barn I couldn't scream anymore so it was almost like ah, my whole, I literally lost my voice <laughs> screaming so much and I didn't know my voice could be so high pitched and then literally Harry Manfredini I guess the, the guy who does all of the music and the right. ch -ch -ch -ch, all that stuff. Right. He said, you scream so loud, I literally had to like pick music to like 
with your scream. So when you see it's like, you know, it's like I'm screaming. Yeah. He's like putting that little horror thing in there. He's like, ah! you know, that's so great. That was, and people still to this day, like every day, it's like today, right? You know, people make fun of me. You know, from that, it's like never a day goes by. I'm like, I'm on Facebook and we have a funny because i i was right before i uh called you um i got uh i end up seeing a post i think melanie might have posted it and she goes i hate you shavar ross you scream better than i do <laughs> or so, was that recent? i don't know if it was recent i just know it came up when i searched your name to see uh i just was searching, uh, like it was before i called uh, you let me look quick it, i can click it downstairs and you and Jason came through the door I believe no that was with both of us kind of laying on the oh ground, yes right? yes yes no I'm talking about before that no when she first comes into something and she sees something but she's supposed to let out this scream and then she grabs me right it's oh yes yeah, when she finds all the dead bodies on the bed okay well she sees something and she's supposed to like and then she lets out this ah! <laughs> <laughs> And then the director, Danny, Danny Steinman, God bless his soul, you know, he passed away. Yeah. I think we were up all night for like at least five hours. He was cursing at her and yelling at her and said, that's not a woman's scream. <laughs> you keep doing it this way. You're supposed to scream like like a woman. Like, ah! You know, and she kept right. going, ah! <laughs> It was like something that was like totally like manly or I don't know what it was, but... I just never will forget that. Like, we were, like, everybody was frustrated. People were tired. Right. And then he was, like, kind of cursing her out. Like, get this scream together. You must scream like a woman. So that's probably why you... I didn't see it, but that's probably why you saw her say that. Yeah, it, she posted it October 27th, 2015 at 10.24 p.m. So it probably was... The film was probably playing at the time because it was close to Halloween. Oh, poor thing. Yeah, she put. This is what she wrote. I'm pissed that Shavar Ross has a better scream than Mayan. <laughs> she put that on Facebook. Uh, yeah, it was back in 2015. Okay, I'll double check on it because I chatted with Melanie like two hours ago. So we're always chatting, and yep. and you know we we handle all of her autographs. Awesome. Like whether it's on eBay or in my company, you right. know, or like we have her stuff on Amazon. So is that what Tri Se Entertainment does? That uh, they deal with that stuff. Well, I started off on eBay uh, selling items. Um, matter of fact, I actually started selling my my autographs on eBay because there was one person on there who kept like selling my stuff, and he was like, 
Shavar Ross, Reggie the Reckless, rock on. And it was like never my, like it wasn't even my signature. It was like forgery. <laughs> and and he was this guy, whoever this company was, they were, it was like the next year. I kept seeing it on on um, eBay. And then finally I was like, you know, somebody said, you know, you should complain about that. And I wasn't selling anything or anything. And I complained about it. And it's like eBay took it down, but then they put it back up. Like kind of like in a different listing. Right. And it was like, Siobhan Ross, rock on. I was like, first of all, I'm from New York. I'm never going to be like, rock on. What the heck is that? <laughs> you know, and I got upset. Right. So what I started doing and kind of how I got into selling stuff is I, I started selling my own autographs <laughs> so, <laughs> to compete with them. Right. And I complained to eBay that this was fraud. And then yep. they finally took them down and to this day, sometimes they pop up a little bit, but I started selling my stuff and I was selling them and then I ended up getting them off and I kind of got into that. Then, I, then Melanie, I said, hey, you know, let's get your stuff on here too. And we started selling a lot on eBay and then we went to Amazon and from there, um, I became like a, I started selling stuff on eBay and stuff. Awesome. So what was it like working with John Shepard? He was really cool. Very nice guy. I found out later on he was like a diehard Christian. Yep, I heard the same um, thing. I don't know if you, I, yeah, I don't know if you remember, but many, many years ago, after the, we did the, um, I just always thought he was like a really nice guy, very personable. Right. He's a little bit different now. He mm. produces films. He's kind of standoffish from the world kind of attitude. Right. Um, he's very private, and you know he keeps his distance. Right. And um, and but he was great with me. But later on, I would try to connect with him, and it was almost like he was kind of like in his own world. And then one day, I was watching a Christian television network called TVN, right. and I saw that he had a testimony during. Um, do you remember um, the great evangelist? The what? He's like the great evangelist, um, Billy Graham. Oh yes. Okay, so one day I was watching Christian television and I saw uh, Billy Graham interviewing this young man in front of like 50,000 people. Yes, I saw that too because I remember my mom calling me and saying that, isn't that the guy from Friday the 13th Part 5? And I, I'm like, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was John Shepard like giving his Yep. And I was like, oh, that's the guy. This is John Shepard like from my film. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I realized he was a Christian, and, and you know, he recently did a, um, a um, I forgot what the name of it was, I think it was in either North Carolina or somewhere, but her, him and Melanie did a um, convention recently, okay. and he doesn't do a lot of them, you know, right. I was supposed to be there too, I just couldn't make it. Uh, so, do you think, I, do you still talk to him at all? Um, very rarely, he's very private, okay. and. I'm sure if I can find him somewhere and reach out to him, he, every time I talk to him, he's like, hey, man, you know, we have pictures together right. from our conventions. Well, tell him that, uh, like, I'm a Christian, too, and tell him that I wrote Christ Defeats Cancer and everything. <laughs> Maybe that'll set him up with an interview, too. <laughs> yeah, well, if I can find him, like, if I if I was close to him, like Melanie, yeah, um, I would just say, hey, talk to this guy. He's wonderful. He's a cool guy. Talk right. to Scotty, please. He's nice. <laughs> I just did an interview. You know, right. He's, he's, I don't, some people are not a, on social media as much as I am. Right, exactly. I understand that. I mean, a lot of the cast aren't even on it because, like, let's face it, a lot of the cast are, you know, older. Like, you know what I mean? So they are, and a lot of some old, people have passed away too, Scott. Yeah. Like, you know, 
Scott. Exactly. Know. Like I, I, I wanted to interview um Fox Gloria Charles, and I reached out to her, and turns out she was really sick or something or other, and she ended up passing away not long after I emailed her. Who's that? Uh, she played in part three as the biker chick. Oh my gosh. Yep. So, and she was young. She was only in her forties, I believe, or, or at least early fifties, but I'm pretty sure it was in her late forties. Oh, wow. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how she died. All I know is I emailed her and I found she out she died? was. Oh my gosh. Yep. I found out she was sick or something or other. Something happened that she wasn't on Facebook, and I was wondering why she wasn't responding to me or reading my messages. Um, because she was, because, and it didn't show her online or anything like that, and then I read a post that she passed away, and I'm like, oh my god, that hurts. Oh, so sad. Yeah. And you know, it, everybody's going, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, she's you so know, young. Um, it doesn't, God, the Lord doesn't see whether you're an actor or not, you know, yep. you are going to the same place. And, yep. Exactly. You know, unfortunately, um, people have their own issues, you know. Exactly. Not, I didn't know that Melanie Kinnaman was a bartender. Really? <laughs> no, is she is she a bartender currently? Uh, probably. Oh I'm wow! Wow, that's interesting though. So when you talk to her, you know, ask her because now I didn't bring that back to her, but I've had people tell me, "Did you know she's bartender?" Yeah, Millie's bartender. She told me that. But when I talked to Millie, I'm like, "How you doing?" Oh, I'm still acting, just you know, pushing it through <laughs> and stuff. Right. <laughs> so, you know, everybody has a side hustle, okay? Yeah. Scotty, you know, actors have side hustles, too. We're entitled to that. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the last question I have, actually, is uh, do you have any future projects in the works that you'd like to tell the readers about? Well, right now, I, I'm under contract with um, Amazon to produce pretty much my own products. And I thank God for that um, because it's really changed my life, you know. Um, right. Pretty much, I'm... I spend most of my time as an online retailer. So we're creating our own products. We're also acquiring products from um, companies like Marvel and Funko. Um, and we're vendors with Amazon. So we acquire products, we create our own private label products, and we actually put it on Amazon. We have an account with Overstock, um, companies like Etsy, of course, eBay, Years, even though they're kind of going down a little bit, right. but we have, I mean, we have like a couple of Shopify stores. So pretty much my whole life consists of, you know, producing products, especially posters. Right. You know, we sell cell phone accessories like cell phone cases. Right. You know, we have a lot of Melanie Kinnaman. We have over ten or fifteen Melanie Kinnaman autographs, signed autograph posters or photos and posters right. through a site called Regidirectless. Dot com that we have uh, fans, you know, there, and um, I have another site called BlackHistoryPhotos.com. During Black History Month, it's doing very well this month. Mm-hmm. Where we sell posters and a lot of things for schools and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have soccer posters, sports posters. We, you know, we have right. children's posters. Uh, we have music posters. You know, Bob Marley posters. We have Wu Tang Clan. Um, you know, uh, t-shirts, run DMC stuff, Beastie Boys. So I do a lot of licensing. So that's pretty much my whole life right now. And it's literally changed my life. That's awesome. That's great. Thank you so much, though, for making time for that interview. Oh, 